Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. When it comes to this time of the church year, the readings directing us to the second coming of Christ, sometimes people hear the readings and they can sense a disturbance in their lives, something that sort of interrupts their their daily living, their daily thinking. It can be unsettling to hear this final day of judgment that Christ is going to return. And people can be concerned that, are they ready? Are others around them ready for this day of the Lord's return? For me, this is my favorite time of the church year. I love the readings that tell us that Jesus is coming and that he's coming soon and how he has prepared us for this coming as he gathers us together as his people, brings us into the fellowship with one another, but into that fellowship of Christ through our baptism, through the Lord's Supper as we receive the goods that God has for us here in our worship service. And so thinking about the church year, how how God brings us through the church year, when we think about Advent coming up soon, that we're going to be preparing, preparing for the birth of our Savior. And then the day of our Lord's birth, Christmas, when we celebrate the Savior has come. And then when you get to the naming of the Savior, giving him the name Jesus, the one who will save his people from their sins. And then the epiphany, the manifestation of God revealing who he is in Jesus. And then throughout that epiphany season, the healing that God brings through Jesus, the healing to the nations, the healings to individual people, the announcement of forgiveness, and all that God offers through Jesus, that he reveals himself that this is truly God in the flesh. And then we come to Ash Wednesday, and thinking once again that we are dust, and to dust we shall return. And then following our Lord through Lent, journeying with Him and seeing the world against Him, seeing people saying that He's not the Savior, that He's, that he's a devil, that He's evil, And then following him to Good Friday when he cries out on the cross, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And the crowd yells back, Crucify him, crucify him. And then Jesus says, It is finished. And then we wait for those three days, anxiously waiting to celebrate the resurrection, that the tomb is empty, that Christ is risen. And knowing the certainty that his death cannot hold him, but he's our risen Lord and Savior. And then 40 days after, sort of a day that sometimes goes unnoticed, the ascension of our Lord. Jesus says in John 16, I have to leave so that the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, can come. And so Jesus ascends. So Christ has died. Christ has risen, and because he has ascended, Christ will come again. And then we have the day of Pentecost, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the apostles, the speaking in the languages so that people can hear, and how the Holy Spirit continues to enlighten, continue to 
continues to give, to give that life of Christ. And then we have the Trinity Sunday after that, celebrating the Trinity. And then this long season of Pentecost, where the church is reminded of the work that God has called us to do and how the church works then, works that life of Christ, not only in among ourselves, but into the world that we live in. And then these last three Sundays of the church here. Next Sunday will be Christ the King Sunday, where we see that Christ's kingdom comes to us here, but also that Christ is the King. He's the King of this world that we live in and the kingdom that will come in the future. And so this is a time where we focus that Jesus is coming. There's one pastor that has said that as Christians, we should nev- neither, neither be optimist or pessimist. He says we shouldn't be optimists because the world's not going to change. Evil's going to continue to exist. And Jesus speaks about it clearly in the gospel today where he says there will be wars and disorder, nation against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, famines, pestilences, fears, persecution, great signs from heaven, opposition to Christ, People opposing what the Word of God says. A few years ago, I was at a pastor's conference, and the presenter said, these are the things we have to look forward to as Christians in the world that we live in. The approval of polygamy. Required compliance to teachings opposing the Word of God. Loss of tax-exempt status for religious organization. Closure of parochial schools. Criminalization for those opposing different sexual lifestyles and sexual identities. Uh, Just this past week, the Board of Aldermen, they're dealing with a bill on conversion therapy. So I would encourage you to read uh, about that. Conflict and divisions from within the church. But we know all of these things will end. We also know that we can't paralyze evil. Evil's going to continue, but we know that they all have an end. But we're also not pessimist because we have the Word of God. We have the truth of God's Word. We have the promise that God brings to us. And the truth of His Word today that speaks to us this way. The Son of Righteousness shall arise with complete healing in His wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. Or as I read in some wisdom literature this week, we are like a spark running through the stubble. There's joy and liberation that God has for us, waiting for us, but also that is given to us already now in Christ. That this is the release that God has for us, that our lives are in Christ. And so we know that the world's not going to change, but we know that our lives have changed Because God has come to us in Christ. Someone has said it this way. We're floating somewhere between now and then. It's close, but just out of reach. That sometimes it teases us that the end is near. But then as we heard in the children's message, that waiting can sometimes be boring. We can get distracted. We can drift. We can think about other things. But God continues to call us together so that he can speak the truth of his word. And today, St. Paul tells us that this is our time. 
This is our time as Christians, our time of preparation, but our opportunity to bear witness that we know the judgment day will certainly happen, but how are we going to prepare others for this final day, this final judgment? And if you listen to Malachi, where he makes this contrast between the stubble, the oven, the burning up in the stubble, and then the righteous ones trampling over, but even maybe the bigger contrast is this joy and liberation like calves leaping from the stall. Has anyone ever seen calves leaping from the stall? You know, raise your hand. Yeah, it's an amazing thing to see when they're enclosed for a whole winter inside a barn where the manure and the straw is piled up and then all of a sudden you open the barn doors and the green grass and the sunshine and they're able to leap out. It's a sight to see. It's a sight for us to see. This joy and liberation that God has for us in Christ. There's an African proverb that says, time is now. Time is now. Today is the day. Today is the day for us to bear witness to all that God has given to us in Christ Jesus. The question is, do we see the opportunity to bear witness? Or what happens in our own lives when we lose sight? When we lose sight of the promise that Jesus is coming again. I was reminded of this here recently. Uh, Some of you know that I was ministering to a prisoner on death row, uh, Russell Bucklew. And several years ago, he received a stay of execution. Up to that time, he was very willing for me to go and to minister to him, to take him word and sacrament. But when he received that stay of execution, it sort of things shifted in his, in his life that he became more worried about his life today than he was worried about the future. And so the courts reversed uh, the lower courts, and so they said his date of execution was this past October, October 1st. Now, I can't judge his heart or know where he was at at the time of his execution, but he had drifted away. He had lost sight of Jesus. He had lost sight of the end because he was so focused on life today and saving his life today. But it made me think about my own life and maybe even the life of our congregation. Do we sometimes get so wrapped up in living today, uh, thinking about and worrying about tomorrow, that we forget the promise that God says he's coming, that he's coming to bring life, he's coming to bring this liberation, this joy to us, and a joy that will never end. We can forget the promise that Jesus is coming soon in a twinkling, in a flash, like lightning going from east to the west, that Jesus is coming, and he's coming soon. I was speaking with a coach, a football coach, Coach Frost. He coached at Clayton High School and then also at Kirkwood High School. And we were standing at a visitation, a funeral visitation, and he just was speaking to me and he said, we seem to have lost the urgency, the urgency to to bear witness, to tell other people about Jesus. He said, I remembered the days when the schools were, were closed on Wednesday evenings so that children could go to instruction. 
that people could worship. See, people want to be disconnected to the truth of God's word. There's no urgency, and he said, it's frowned upon now to even to tell others what you believe, even to tell your own children and your grandchildren what you believe. It's more important for them to be able to decide what they would like to believe. The immediate question before us today as we hear the word of God is, how do you communicate, how do I communicate this matter of great importance? That this day is coming when Jesus is going to return and that the day is coming soon. Malachi says, pay attention, behold, the day is coming. The preacher to the Hebrews says, pay attention, pay close attention to what you know, what the word of God has spoken to you. And if you dive into this word just a little bit closer, pay close attention, it's really have this ferocious obsession. So have this obsession about God's grace in your life about God's mercy, but not only for you, but for all people, that Jesus came to die to save the world, to save every one of you, but to save others that are out there that are lost, that are wandering away, that are drifting, that have have lost their way. And, And to think about that in our own lives, how do we project that word? How do we get the word out? How do we see the urgency in our own lives But how do we pay attention to what we have heard, what God speaks to us? How many of you know the name Katie Couric? You can raise your hands if you know Katie. Good, I have a pretty good audience here that knows. Uh, Nineteen years ago, she was co-host on the Today Show with, with Matt Lauer, and she brought something to attention to the American public. Uh, She brought this attention as she opened herself up the awareness of colon cancer. Two years prior uh, to her doing this, her husband, he died. He was only 42 years old, but she found out that if he had uh, been to the doctor, had done some of the pre-cancer things, that, that he would have been alive today. And so she made everyone aware of colon cancer and the treatments and also how to to know how to do the regular checkups. But this is what one doctor said. No one should die today from colon cancer. With colonoscopies and treatments, colon cancer has pretty much been eliminated, at least for those who take advantage of regular checkups. And this doctor gave most of the credit, not to research or to new treatment, but to Katie Couric, because she had made people aware of the importance of regular checkups. No one should die today without knowing Jesus. No one should die today without knowing Jesus. And when we picture in our lives what it means to know Jesus in our own lives, the healing that he brings to us. Yeah, there's a checkup that God does with his word as we check out our lives, how we're living in our relationship with him, in our relationship with others. But God is always announcing the healing that he brings to us, the son of righteousness, the one who brings that complete healing. My dad was sharing with me uh, before he passed away, and I didn't realize this, but he had told me that he served on a, a naval hospital ship for a time. But he said there was something 
really remarkable when they would bring in the wounded soldiers, uh, the American soldiers, when they would bring them on to the naval, American Naval Hospital ship. He said they would have a look in their eyes or they would say something like, now I'm going to be okay. They were home. They knew that they were going to be taken care of. Scripture reminds us that we're all wounded. We're wounded physically and we're wounded spiritually. We're wounded on the outside and we're wounded on the inside. But God continues to provide for us that healing that only he can provide through Christ. The healing, the complete healing, the son of righteousness that comes to us, that brings that complete healing. This is what the writer to Hebrews says. He says, looking to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God, mediating for us, coming before God on our behalf, that he has paid the price. He has paid the full price for your sins. He has conquered death, and he has brought to us eternal life. We know that we're going to be okay when we look at Jesus, when we look at his life. We know the righteous righteous one has come, the physician of our souls, the one who brings the cure for all of our ills, the one who endured the cross, who heals our wounds and carries our sorrows. We would ask God that he would give us the gifts, that we would have the opportunity to have that prophetic word to be able to share with other people. And as we close today, I'd just like you to think about opportunities that you have to communicate Jesus to others. So for just a moment, think of maybe one or two people that you would like the opportunity to share with them the life of Jesus, to share with all that Jesus has brought through his death and resurrection. And then I'm going to read the first few verses of Malachi, our Old Testament lesson. But once again, just think for a moment, uh, give those, to, those names to the Lord and, and think on your heart and in your minds, maybe of one or two people. So consider this matter of great importance that the prophet Malachi brings to us. For behold, the day is coming, burning like an oven, when all the arrogant and all evil doers, doers will be stubble. The day that is coming shall set them ablaze, says the Lord of hosts, so that it will leave neither root nor branch. But for you who fear my name, the sun of righteousness shall rise with healing in its wings. You shall go out leaping like calves from the stall. And you shall tread down the wicked, for they will be ashes under the soles of your feet. On the day when I act, says the Lord of hosts. God wants all people to be saved. All people to come to the knowledge of Jesus. Amen. The peace of God which passes all understanding. Keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.